Hello, everybody, and welcome to the fifth episode of the Trojan Venture Podcast. Vivek, how are we doing this week? Doing all right. How about you? Can't complain too much. The weather has been picking up the last couple of weeks, so we've gotten to enjoy it. Throw on a t-shirt, some shorts. Have you been celebrating the good weather? Oh, yeah, man. Like, I went to the beach this past weekend. It was it was fire. So, yeah. Good part of the USC experience, to say the least. Of course. So today we are going to have another great guest on the podcast. Today's guest is Uzo Omitu. Uzo is a graduate of Columbia University and Columbia Business School. Professionally, Uzo has worked in production roles at Viacom, ESPN, and CBS. From 2013 to 2020, Uzo worked on media and technology content and partnerships at Google, as well as content partnerships at YouTube. Bringing over 15 years of experience in the digital media space, Uzo founded Black Oak TV in 2020. Black Oak TV is a video on-demand subscription platform exclusively serving Black audiences with the content that best reflects their lives and experiences. Black Oak TV is based in New York, and they've raised a seed round. And we're super excited to hear all about everything Black Oak TV. Uzo seems like a very inspiring person, and I'm excited to have him on the show. Vivek, you ready? Absolutely. Uzo, how are we doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Well, uh, Vivek, are you excited to get into some questions? For sure. Let's get right into it. Um, so yeah, you have over 15 years of experience in different media production and partnership roles. Um, when did you first discover your passion for digital media? Uh, 15 years. Wow. That makes me sound old. It, it happens so fast. Um, but yeah, I would say passion for digital media. I mean, it was probably at an age long before, you know, actually professionalizing it. You know, I was, you know, really big when, you know, the internet came into prominence in, in the 90s and was, you know, constantly, you know, reading stuff there, going to ESPN.com, other news sites, and just really trying to get caught up on everything. And I think, honestly, that just transferred over into my career as large. Um, you know, once I got to college, you know, did a lot of things in the writing space, writing for the school paper, getting some internships at different places. And when I came out, you know, my, my first gig was, you know, basically writing for Inc. Magazine, but almost exclusively for the, the digital version. And so, you know, from that point on, you know, being able to just, you know, see see the viewership, see the reactions, see the comments, um, you know, getting all that immediate feedback from the internet and just seeing how fast and powerful that was becoming, uh, you know, I just got a taste for it early on. And um, that turned into me, you know, creating, you know, several of my own blogs and learning the ins and outs of digital media, you know, everything from, you know, producing the content, monetizing it, distributing it, creating websites, um, getting distribution across other websites. It was just all very fascinating to be in, you know, it was basically the first business that, you know, I got that full on hands-on experience. in. so I guess it was really just, just love at first sight. And we just kept it moving from there. And so what have been some of the lessons you've learned from these previous work experiences that you've applied to founding Black Oak TV? I think the the main thing is that, you know, you just have to be nimble. I remember when I first came out of college and I was looking for a new job and ultimately, you know, found a writing gig. I 
you know, was always entrepreneurial at heart. And so I was doing some things on the side. And one of the things I kept doing was just like, I kept making all of these plans and uh, spreadsheets and designs and, and, and outlines for this magazine that I wanted to start. And, you know, finally, like I got the gumption to pitch it to my bosses at Inc. Magazine. And, you know, they were just like, oh, it costs too much. We don't know if it'll work. You know, this is probably a bad idea at the time. You know, publishing and newspapers were all suffering. And, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I left, I walked out of being like, I couldn't believe that, you know, me, who was, you know, really fascinated by the internet and everything, had just pitched and had gotten so invested in this, this physical product, an actual, um, you know, paper magazine. And, um, you know, and then, you know, it was very soon thereafter that, you know, it was clear everyone was going digital, newspapers were putting all their resources behind that. And it, it was just clear to me that like you, you you had to just admit that you didn't know what the future was gonna look like in media. And so in starting Black Oak TV, I knew the core of what we were gonna do, of what we are doing is, you know, subscription-based content. But I also knew that in starting this, we had to position ourselves where if the winds change, if something about business models and distribution over time is going to change, whether it's within a year, three years, five years, or 10, we needed to make sure that we were always in a position to have something that that was nimble enough to move into a new business model. And so that's always been at the back of my mind starting Black Oak TV and something I try to make sure is, um, you know, taken care of in, in the way that we build our business. So prior to Black Oak TV, you also had a company called Black Oak Enterprises. Um, what's the story behind the name Black Oak? <laughs> um, you know, mainly it was just, you know, sitting around thinking of what the name things and, and trying to, you know, have a meaning behind them. Uh, you know, ultimately, you know, being a Black person and, and being in media and not seeing, you know, A, too many, too many Black people on screen. And, and B, too many people behind the screen, you know, in management and executive positions. And so I knew that was an audience that I wanted to, to serve. Uh, but at the same time, you know, also thinking about like the things that were important to me and important to the black community. So, you know, I wanted to show a symbol of strength. You know, I always saw the oak tree as being that, but at the same time, the, the acronym for, for oak, um, at least in, in, in our minds, is, has always been ownership, ability, and knowledge. Uh, and so when you think Black O, you can think Black ownership, Black ability, Black knowledge as, as three things that I think are very important for our community to build on, to acquire. Uh, and so that is kind of the, the, you know, the unspoken meaning behind that, that word that, you know, I had in, the, in, that, in the previous iteration of this company and why I wanted to bring the name over to what we're doing at Black Oak TV today. And I guess going from a little bit more of a, a broader approach now, given the huge market for Black creators and storytelling, which Black Oak TV is capitalizing on, why do you think that the major streaming services have been so slow to showcase Black storytelling and creators? I mean, there are a lot of reasons, <laughs> you know, I think at the heart of it, you know, or at its origins, you know, part of it is discrimination, right? Like Hollywood was kind of built off of leaving Black people out of it and, and not bringing them into uh, this new burgeoning industry uh, and really trying to control 
um, the stories that were coming out of, of Hollywood and, you know, the broader media at the same time. I think in the time since the, the origins of, of the entertainment industry, um, I think, you know, you obviously have some of those, you know, prior discriminations, not that that's all gone, but, you know, obviously it's less so, but those discriminations just turn into how we do things or how we validate things. And so, you know, the idea that, you know, black movies or black content doesn't travel well overseas has long been used as a reason to not, um, you know, promote that content, which, you know, to some extent is true, right? But it's also true because no one has invested in, you know, building global black stars, global black stories. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that is is rooted in in Hollywood's beginnings. And so I I think it's just, you know, that that issue and the and then there's also, you know, I'll admit, you know, there's a broader economic issue, right? Like if 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 you know 87% of the country is not black and people tend to watch stories that reflect their lives and experiences, which is generally, you know, something you see in, in most data that studies this, then um, then the bigger opportunity is going after that 87% or the entire 100% um, than it is to go after just that 13% of the black population. Like I'll, you know, that's just plain numbers and sense. And so um, I think, you know, that's pretty much at the heart of it. Like if you have to choose between one show that costs you $10 million and another show that costs you, you know, even a little bit more, $12 million, but the first one only targets 13% of the population and the second one targets 65% of the population, the one that has the better chance for better ROI is the one that goes after that bigger audience. And so that's just real. And so in starting Black Oak TV, you know, we just put it in our mission to specifically target and serve Black audiences. So that way we don't have to make those trade-offs, right? If someone brings me two, two projects, they're always going to have to be about Black audiences. Whereas if you bring that to a, a major studio out there, they have to say, hey, this show actually has a better chance of getting higher ratings than the other show. So that's probably where they're going to make their bet most of the time. And therefore, um, you don't you end up not seeing as many Black stories coming out of them and, and they end up being slow to adapt. So one of the um, cool parts about your business model is that you guys release a new show every week. And so why do you think it's important that a new show is released every week? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, you know, I, you know, we, I was trying to think of it from the standpoint of, you know, we don't have a lot of money and therefore we don't have as much content as other people. And so I was trying to look at, well, who is who is doing really well uh, without releasing a ton of content? And I think, at least historically, before a lot of different machinations of the company that we've seen, it's been HBO, right? Like, for the most part. HBO has generally locked in large audiences by having one show every Sunday night that everybody wanted to watch. Like that's for the most part, like, yeah, they might show two different shows on a night, maybe three different shows on a night, but I'd say, you know, nine times out of 10, eight times out of 10, people were coming back every Sunday for one show that everybody was watching. And so it just stood the reason to me that, hey, you can actually engage audiences, keep them subscribed if you're able to deliver 
that one show per week. Now, there's a lot of caveats that go with that. You know, they've long been tied to the cable ecosystem. They have a lot of marketing in place. Um, you know, they have these stars and things attached to their thing. So it's not completely analogous to what we're doing. But at the end of the day, um, it showed that it is possible that if you can just, you know, own one night of the week, um, then you can, you can, you can retain and engage customers enough to keep them subscribed and interested in what you're building. And are all these shows produced by Black Oak or are they produced elsewhere and then you guys are kind of giving them the platform to have an audience? I would say somewhere in between. We're basically, I'd, I'd say the general model is, you know, we find we find people that have awesome content. Uh, we reach out to them. You know, we see what type of content they've been building. We say, hey, we really like, you know, this thing that you've worked on or this thing that you've worked on. Would you happen to have like a bigger idea for that? You know, a way to turn that into a series. Um, and then they'll they'll put that together. They'll come pitch that to us. There'll be a little bit back and forth on, hey, you know, let's go this way, that way, whatever it may be. Um, and then and then they'll make the series. Like basically we give them the resources to do that, to create that. We try to help where we can. Some creators need more help, some others don't. But at the end of the day, they own the they they own the the production process and then we and then we're their distributor so could you dive a little bit more into like the creators black oak has worked with yeah um you know basically i I say they generally fall into two camps there are your super digital natives so folks who have built audiences on youtube and instagram and tiktok so you know we've worked with um big ja and G Wayne and and Troy LA, Venarios, um, you know, other other, you know, black creators that have, you know, very passionate audiences so that whenever they create something, their fans want to want to watch that, want to want to find it, want to are willing to pay for it. Uh, and then we've also worked with more traditional filmmakers. So generally folks that have, you know, gone to film school or made short films in the past, you know, we've reached out to them and say, hey, do you want to create something for us? And for us, it's kind of just like that two-pronged approach, right? Like we're, we're working with the the YouTube creators because, you know, they they know what works for them. They know what type of comedy or storytelling their fans are interested in. Uh, and so it's, it's very much just giving them the resources to create something that's in that vein, but it's bigger and better. And then with the more traditional filmmakers, it's like, hey, we know you all are real good at you know, creating these original stories uh, and telling them in an, in an avant-garde way. Um, we want to bring that element to us. So if you think about it, you know, kind of going back to, to old school HBO, it's like, you know, HBO will have these, you know, silly comedies uh, that are full of um, um, cameos and, and hijinks and, and, you know, oftentimes big names. Uh, but then the prestige stuff like the like the Sopranos or The Wire or Secession, you know, generally with lesser known names, but the but the but the content is is next level. And so the way I think it was like you get people in the tent with the with the sillier, broader stuff that has the cameos, and then you introduce them to the things that they might not have otherwise found, but you know, is maybe even a a a bit better from a from a creativity standpoint or at least from a development standpoint 
And so when you're looking at different creators and what types of stories they could tell and then Black Oak could produce, what are some of the stories that Black Oak wants to tell to the Black community? Is there things like economic issues? Is it like family dynamics? What, what were some things you would describe? You know, I think, you know, people have always asked me that, and, you know, whenever I'm talking to a creator, they're like, well, what do you want? And, and, and what, what stories do you want to tell? And honestly, like, I don't, I don't think that we have a specific, um, we don't have a specific goal in mind of like what types of stories we tell. We want the storytellers to tell the stories they want to tell. Uh, and at the end of the day, our ethos thus far has been if, if, you know, we don't want a particular type of story, we want the best stories, the, 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 the best productions, the best shows. So, um, and, and so that's basically what we go for. So, if, you know, if we get 10 pitches and we can afford to produce five shows, we want to pick the five best of those. Now, Obviously, we tried to avoid overlap and telling the same story over and over again. We don't want two shows to be alike, so we try to differentiate. But at the end of the day, I don't think we have a preference for, hey, we want it to be about this or or economics or 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 Im immigration or or love. Like I think we're just looking for what are the most compelling stories. Who is written the best script, who has introduced us to the most developed characters, the most intriguing plot lines, like that's ultimately what we want to have. You know, maybe later on we start to have an idea of like, okay, people are responding to this a great deal or people are responding to that a great deal. Um, maybe we go in that direction, but I think, you know, again, hate to keep referencing <laughs> HBO, but, you know, I wouldn't say that they I don't, I don't think there's a particular type of story they tell, right? They tell a, a myriad of things. Now, maybe they have a specific way of telling stories. Maybe they have um, types of characters that they tend to go for. But I think at the end of the day, if you know HBO wants to get the best story that's out there and have it made on their platform, and I think that's what we're trying to do. You know, one, Once we get the best stories, then we just try to, to do our best and make sure they don't overlap too much. So yeah, we all know like it's been a little bit of a tough year for startups and the economy in general. So has Black Oak faced any big challenges in this past year, whether it be economic or not? Yeah, I, I think our challenges are are less so economic, uh, just because, you know, I, I'd say, you know, we, we've been pretty good at like managing our, our money, staying super lean, uh, adjusting to the new economy out there. You know, our, our biggest so our biggest challenge has been what it's always been from day one, which is which is growth. You know, it's not easy to get people to subscribe to a brand they haven't heard of. And it's even particularly harder, you know, during recession like times where, where people are watching their 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 wallets and, and the way they spend. So yeah, I'd say, you know, it's harder to acquire a subscriber today than it was a year, year and a half ago. Um, and so that's what we battle with is like, how do we get our message in front of people? How do we get people to know about Black Oak TV? That's that's the biggest thing for us to today and, and something that's been made harder by the economic times. But, you know, we're still fighting a good fight. People are still signing up just every day. And, and so, you know, we just try to figure out ways to um, keep the growth going day after day. How was your experience 
experience at Y Combinator, and I guess if this would be a second question, was the experience at Y Combinator, did that help you try to identify how to go after your specific customers? It helped specifically in a time of economic downturn, that type of structure that YC provides? My time at Y Combinator was great. I, I really enjoyed it for what it is. You know, I think I came in with a very specific purpose and goal for being in Y Combinator, and they delivered on that. I wasn't expecting them to solve anything and everything for me. And 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 so, you know, having the specific mindset of like, hey, I'm joining Y Combinator for X, they gave me X, this is great. Um, and so that was good for me. In terms of how they prepared us for economic times, I mean, I was in Y Combinator summer of 21 uh, when times were good, when interest rates were still zero and, and money was was flowing from VCs out there. So I, there, you know, there wasn't this specific you know, here's how you got to manage your, your money direction going on that they've since given to a lot of startups um, that have been in cohorts after me. But what they certainly did that I think really prepared us well for this is just, you know, really getting you to focus on what's important, which are your customers and, you know, basically how to get more of them, right? Understand your customers and understand how to acquire them. Uh, that's basically what we have boiled down what we do on an everyday basis, how we make decisions. And I think because of that, because we don't get, you know, caught up, too caught up in, you know, networking or, you know, talking to this person or that person to have this meeting about this thing or, you know, just getting caught up in all of the, the hoopla that can go on with startups and being a founder and being in this world where, there's, you know, so many people, you know, grabbing for attention, grabbing for dollars, grabbing for your dollars as a founder, the second that you raise them. Um, because of that focus on customers and, and how to acquire customers, like we've stayed out of that. And I think that's really helped us, you know, manage our, our balance sheet very well and make sure that we're, we're focused on the right things. And BlackRock was founded in 2020, which has become one of the most memorable years of civil unrest in the last 50 years in our nation. Was 2020 what inspired you to really found BlackRock, or was this just it, the market was at the right time to kind of put this project together? To be honest, that was all a coincidence. <laughs> um, like I had, you know, I left my job from YouTube and Google after being there for about seven years. And I left in, in March. And actually, the my last day at work was actually the first day YouTube told employees they could start working from home as a result of, of the pandemic. So I I I when I when I decided to leave, you know, it was before anybody knew about the pandemic. It was before um, the civil unrest that unfolded a couple months later. And so, you know, really, I was just leaving with the with the idea that I wanted to start something new uh, that it would likely be related to black content, and I just needed to figure out like what made sense for me. Um, and you know, basically, within a month of of quitting, so you know, probably by April, I had all of that in my mind. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. 
And, I, you know, I was thinking the pandemic was going to be over in a month or two. We could get back outside. I would be traveling uh, back to the Bay to try and, you know, pitch VCs. Uh, and then, you know, as you all know, the world took a different turn. It kept going deeper and deeper into the pandemic. And so, you know, basically this idea that I had, we had to adjust to the situation as it was. So instead of launching that November, like I planned, we ended up launching the following February. Instead of being able to pitch investors face-to-face, -face, I had to do it over Zoom. And, you know, that, that was an entirely different process. Um, one with many benefits, but, you know, some some detractors as well. Uh, and then when it came to producing content, as you can imagine, it was, we had, to, you know, it was a while before we could get to producing content. When we could get to it, uh, it was harder to do because of all the the protocols that you had to take in um, to account. It was more expensive to do because of the cost of those protocols. And so that process was materially changed as well. So um, uh, the civil unrest component, you know, to be honest, that just, you know, align with why we were doing it, right? Because I've, you know, I've always, you know, I've always felt and, and studies have said this as well, that, you know, the the lack of representation of Black people and the misrepresentation of Black people in media, in mass media, is partly to blame for the reasons Black people get treated the way they do. And so that's always been a part of why I wanted to, um, see more black content out there. And um, if anything, the civil unrest that was happening was just, you know, more wind at my sails of, you know, the, the, the boat we were already trying to build. So it obviously takes a lot of people to run Black Oak. So what are some of the things you think about when hiring at Black Oak? It doesn't take that many people. I mean, <laughs> I, we, live, we live in a new world where you can where you know there's a lot of stuff that you can do technically there's a lot of stuff that you can outsource um so and in, in that regard you know our team and the people that i personally hire is very minimal um now grant now whenever we create a production that's a different story that takes you know 10 20 people depending on the size of the production and, and, you know, these are obviously, you know, what you would call, you know, indie production. So nowhere at the scale of what a major studio does, but, um, so, uh, but generally, you know, those people aren't, you know, being ultimately picked by us. That's happening by our producers who are technically our partners and, you know, not necessarily people that work for me. Uh, but for the people that work directly for, for Black Oak TV, the company, um, you know, we really just, you know, at this stage, I'm just looking for people that, you know, love what we're doing and are, and are show the ability to commit. I mean, that's, that's really it. Uh, and are willing to work hard. And, and to be honest, I, that's hard for me to identify in an interview. Um, you know, I don't know that I did it all that well at Google. Uh, I don't know that I'm doing it all that well now, but so to some extent, there's some trial and error, right? Like you have to bring people on, but I would say the main thing that I'm looking for, just like, you know, do they really have a, a, a true mission for what, you know, a true sense and feel for what we're doing and have they shown in the past their ability to, to commit to something 
um, that is at least a little bit bigger than them. And I, I don't mean to make it like a cult, but like, you know, I just want to say that like, hey, you know, you're not just coming on because, you know, it sounds cool or you want to work at a startup or because it's a nice check, but that, you know, you're going to sign on and say, hey, I'm, I'm here, I, you know, even if it's for, you know, just a year, like I'm going to give it my all, you know, I'm looking for signs like that. I'm looking to see that that's happened in your past work, you know, how you speak about prior jobs, how you speak about your interests and passions to, to hopefully show that um, when you, when you do like something, you commit to it. And uh, I'm trying to get better at that and we'll, we'll see how it goes. For a last question, are there any exciting new things that Black Oak is working on in the next year that customers should be looking out for? Yeah, I hope so. I hope I hope so. I mean, it's always difficult to to commit to what we'll get out there, but um, you know, I, we have some really amazing shows that are coming up. You know, that I hope people check out. You know, we've got a current show right now, the the Closet Bitch, that I think is amazing, created by Shauna Sullivan and uh william runnels and i think people should definitely check that out uh additionally you know we're trying to get into the podcast slash um unscripted space so having more talk shows on our platform and off our platform that we hope people can enjoy and appreciate and that extend the conversation um that we're trying to have through our scripted shows and then you know, we're, we're really trying to get involved in, in comedy and kids content. So on the comedy side, you're going to start to see us actually probably do some more pop-up stand-up comedy shows um, that will then get turned into um, streaming shows on our on our network so that people that obviously can't come in person can can watch those on our service. And then on the kids on the kids content area, I mean, basically, you know, we just see a huge opportunity for more Black kids programming. And so we are trying to see, you know, can we build out a, a, a really good library of Black kids content that will um, be something that parents can trust, they can put their kids in front of, learn something, be safe, be entertained in a, in a, in a, you know, pristine environment. And, and at the same time, still see, um, you know, kid children characters that that look like them. All right, thank you so much, Uzo, for coming on today. We've learned so much about the entertainment industry and Black creators, and I really just want to say we appreciate busy founders like you sharing your knowledge with us. Well, thank you for having me. This was this was great. I appreciate the the questions. You know, saying these things out loud instead of uh, you know yelling into my computer all the time. Uh, really helps me as well. So I appreciate the, the conversation and the opportunity. Well, thank you again, Uzo. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. Vivek, it was a, another very interesting podcast guest. Uzo definitely is coming from a little bit of a different industry than other guests we've had on the podcast, but I was really interested to hear about his career in digital media and specifically how he's focusing on black creators and black entertainment and creating a niche space for that type of entertainment i think that's super important especially as our society becomes more culturally aware and more accepting and um has more variety and so i think black oak is really leading a very important movement in that area
Yeah, I mean, it was really cool to see him talk about like the new things that Black creators have done and like how they've really created this inclusive community for Black creators that really wasn't there before. Um, and yeah, it was just super enlightening. It was a little different than our past guests. And I think it brought a you know new frame into our uh, into our collection.